0: Today's interview contains the topic of child abuse, molestation, and adultery. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Paul Collins, and together with my wife Jocelyn, we live in Gympie, Queensland, Australia. We grow ginger and love to listen to Compelled as we sit and trim our ginger for market each week. It's good to know that even though life often seems so ordinary, that God still does very extraordinary things in people's lives. Compelled is proof of that each time we listen. We often trim through tears of joy and are always encouraged to hear how God brings back meaning and purpose and renewed hope into broken lives. He is a personal God who longs for a relationship with his children. Enjoy listening to this episode and we know you'll be encouraged as well.
1: My husband saw me go from this confident woman to this mushy, needy, anxious, worried all the time, and he didn't know what to do with that, so he just became more work-obsessed. And the more that he did that, the more anxious I got.
0: I'm Paul Hastings, and this is the Season 5 finale of Compelled we use gripping, immersive storytelling to celebrate the powerful ways God is transforming Christians around the world. If this is your first time tuning in, then welcome. We're glad that you've joined us and hope you'll be blessed by the testimonies you'll hear on this show. But if you've been a longtime listener, then make sure to listen all the way to the end of our story today for details on a special end-of-season video call and an update on the future of our show. Last week we heard from Kane Kellerman, who became addicted to heroin as a ten-year-old boy, and his life quickly spiraled out of control after that. But after being incarcerated for robbing a ninety-year-old man, Kane was stunned to receive a letter of forgiveness from his victim. Would this man's God forgive him too? Again, you can hear that story by tuning into last week's episode with Kane Kellerman. Today our guest is Barbara Mueller. As a child, her home life was chaotic at best and scarred with abuse. To protect herself, Barbara put up emotional walls and developed a tough personality. But when her marriage began crumbling, she realized those walls would never hold up. If everything she thought to be true was false, how would she ever find a firm foundation? Gather around, lean in, and join us for the season five finale of Compelled with this story from the kingdom of God. Barbara grew up in New Orleans as the second oldest of five children. Unlike many families from the South, her family wasn't even culturally Christian. Not that they were openly hostile to Christianity, they just weren't into religion. Case in point, they didn't even go to church on Christmas or Easter. Jesus was just a non-topic. Barbara's home life was pretty rough. Her parents had both come from abusive backgrounds themselves, and unfortunately, that legacy continued.
1: I grew up in a home that was, it was just hard to know what to expect. I remember a particular incident in my home where my, my all my siblings were sitting around the table and my younger sister asked my older sister to get her a fork. And my dad came in and, and heard this. My older sister, you know, was a teenager and she was kind of like, you hit it yourself. And my dad came in the room and just just punched her and she fell to the ground. He kicked her repeatedly. And um, it was kind of like that environment to not be sure what to expect, you know? So I would kind of had a, a soft spirit. I kind of just tried to stay out of everything, not really make any trouble because I didn't want to be, you know, hurt like that. Yeah. Another incident that happened that I actually carried with me for a really long time was this incident of my my, my dad finding out that. Someone had ate his his cherries, his chocolate-covered cherries, and it was actually me that, that did it. Um, and he was uh, really angry about it. Um, he asked all my siblings, like, who ate them, who ate them? And I knew that I had, and he just continued to, to kind of interrogate us in the house. And um, yeah, just kept coming back and forth and saying, you know, you better say who did it. You better say who did it. And then finally... You know, I, we could tell he was just getting increasingly angry. And my older sister said to my younger sister, why don't you just admit that you did it? You know, and I know that she hadn't because I was the one who did. But I was so scared that I was like, yeah, just admit that you did it. Um, so he came back and um, I says, my younger sister actually admitted to it. Even though she hadn't done it. And so... Um, my dad just beat her and and um, that's kind of the house I grew up in and you know there were also nights of like karaoke and having fun but like at a moment's notice you never knew if you know someone asking (sighs) sorry at a moment's notice you just never knew if someone asking for a fork or you know Children being children and eating a cherry, <laughs> you know, eating food they shouldn't, would turn into something, you know, just horrible. During that time too, I was just super, I would say, uh, soft. I guess I was a soft child. Um, I I wanted everything to be peaceful and I wanted everyone to get along. And I remember during those times where my dad would beat my sisters, I just wanted to act like this can be fixed, like somehow this can all be fixed. And But my dad would often, after he would beat my sisters, he would go into the living room and sit on this one recliner, like with his head down, like in shame. Um, And I would go in there, I would sit on his lap, And I would say, I still love you because I just, I thought that I thought what I, if I could just make it go away that it would get better. But I mean, no person can change someone's heart like that. So, so that, that's kind of was what I did. I would just tell him, I still love you, daddy. Um, and i actually was never physically abused by my dad one time he had pushed me but he never he never actually physically abused me
0: barbara and her siblings experienced things that no child ever should but sadly the abuse didn't end with just violence
1: but um he did he did sexually abuse me at night he actually abused me while i was sleeping um and i would wake up to him you know uh, being there, and he would run out of the room. So it was just—I just remember feeling like during the day I was scared, and and at night it would also. I never knew if if I was safe there as well. So that's kind of what I I grew up in. But I actually remember a particular moment where where God met me. My dad was was beating one of my sisters, and I would always just kind of go to my bedroom to try to get away from it, and my sister was screaming, just asking for him to stop, and I was just, just wanted it all to go away, and I remember looking at the side of my room, and I don't know if it was a Bible or a tract, I'm not really sure, um... But I picked it up. I felt drawn to it. I picked it up and there was this salvation prayer. And I'm not saying there's a prayer that, that saves you per se, but there was the gospel in it. And I remember it touching my heart. And I'm not saying I was saved then, but I do believe that I encountered God at that moment. because um, I felt this peace and like the screams were silenced. And I I remember the very first prayer that I Prayed was God, please give this peace to my family. And and then I fell asleep uh, amongst you know her still being hurt. And then like a week later, my dad and I were driving down the same highway that we've always driven down, and he said, Hey, Bobby, you see that church right there? And I said, Yes. And he said, We're going there this week. It was out of the blue. He didn't mention anything else. Like, I just—and I didn't say anything even in response. I just remember being like, I know I just prayed that prayer like a week ago. God, give my family the same peace. And I just remember thinking, like, you heard me. God, you heard me. So we attended church for a few years, and there I heard the gospel— But i was so broken that i think i just was glad to have a place where i wasn't being hurt and that to me was i don't know it was meeting my need at that time i felt um so i didn't really i can't really say that i delved deep into my relationship with god or anything i was just like i said i was just happy to have a place where i wasn't being
0: hurt barbara never got an explanation for why they started attending They just did. And from age 14 to 16, she was exposed to the gospel. Barbara didn't give her life to the Lord then, but she felt there was a safe refuge hanging out with the other kids in the youth group. And she especially appreciated how the youth pastor's wife was friendly to her and caring. And for a brief moment, things seemed to get a little bit better. But then after attending church for two years, there was some type of falling out, and her family abruptly stopped attending. And the chaos at home continued
1: because I was so quiet and shy, you know, people took advantage of that and they would just mess with me all the time at school. And I just was so frustrated because whether it was at school or at home, I felt like there was no refuge (laughs) at all. But there was this turning point that happened at school where I turned from being soft to to like saying, I can't do that anymore. There was this girl who was just kept on messing with me and messing with me. And I just was sitting there with my head down, letting her do it. And finally I spoke up for myself and she was really mad at me for doing that. And she threw a binder at my face and the the clip actually grabbed onto my face and she pulled it down. And I remember the surge of anger, like come over me and I just jumped on top of her and I basically just beat her up pretty badly. But I remember in that moment feeling like, this is better. This is better, like to put a, a wall up, you know, and not, not be so soft, like nobody's going to hurt me. And so I went from being super soft and wanting, you know, everyone to, to try to console people, like even my dad who hurt me, to, to now not letting anyone in at all. Because I felt like, oh, wait, I can have some control over this. But with that, that didn't help me make friends. I was really closed off um, all throughout high school. Um, I only let people get so close to me. Like, I would see people in my life who were Christians, and I would think, like, I'd like to be like that, but given who I am, like, I could never have it together enough like they do. Like, I thought it was about... (laughs) me all of a sudden being able in my own power of being like them. I remember being drawn to that. But again, i would never thought that it would be available to me. So I kind of just shrugged it off. The only other time that I can remember praying is when I got a bad grade on a test and I begged God to not let my dad beat me. And the reason why I remember that is because he typically would have. But that day he didn't. You know, he wouldn't have beaten me because he didn't beat me, but he beat my sisters. So I thought for sure since I got an F, he was going to beat me. But I prayed hard for him not to, and then he didn't. And I thought – I remember feeling again like, God, you heard that prayer. Um, But no, I cannot say that I prayed much more than those two times. I just got caught up with boyfriends and drinking, partying, you know, um, just kind of living a worldly lifestyle. There was this particular time actually where my my boyfriend had broken up with me and I was crying about it. And this random person comes up to me and says, I feel like God wants me to tell you not to rely on men, but to rely on him. And I remember just rolling my eyes at that person, like, oh, like, who are they? Like, leave me alone. But I remember it now. Like, Wow, God, you, you, were trying, you were coming after me. I was just ignoring you. In
0: 1999, Barbara graduated from high school and was ready to move on. She also wanted to be tough. And to prove that toughness, she joined the military as part of the National Guard while attending college.
1: In 2002, I was going to annual training with the Army. And that's where I actually met my now husband, David. When I met him, I was drawn to his power he was super funny to me. He was super friendly to me, but most of all, he was super protective of me. And um, I had never really met anybody like that. Most men wanted me for a different reason, and he just wanted—he wanted to know me and um, and cared very much to like. Don't mess with her. He—he's just a protector, which I never had in a man before. But it was super skewed because he was actually married when I met him. I was very hard and had a false sense of confidence. So I was like, well, you know, why wouldn't he be with me? You know, I guess I just did not think about her. And I thought about, well, yeah, he could be with me. It was just super selfish, arrogant. And I guess I just didn't care was was the bottom line. And um, and I thought, well, she's not treating him right. I, I justified it. As though that was okay. and I, and I, and I'm not saying that she tra- treated him wrong. I'm not even gonna talk about that. I wasn't in their marriage, to be honest. so um, but that's how I justified it to myself. Um, so, and we began as friends, and I thought, well, we'll just be friends. Like he's just being friendly to me. And then it, it quickly turned into more than a friendship. And he ended up leaving his wife for me. So um I carried a lot of shame. About that for a really long time, um, you know. I think not growing up knowing, you know, what was right, and I don't. I don't blame my parents. Again, I just didn't. I just wanted somebody to protect me, and somebody gave me this attention and made me feel like I've got you. No one's going to hurt you, and it didn't matter that he was actually hurting someone else. I was just too selfish to realize that. So, we got married, and things were fine you know, I only let him in so much too. I had a wall up. Um, he didn't know the things that I was hurting with. And we were both pretty career driven. He did his thing. I did mine. And we did that for five years. There was a time during our marriage, right before I got pregnant, um, when we were trying to have kids. We started talking about God and how we would raise our our children. And Neither of us were going to church. He grew up Catholic. I grew up like nothing. And, you know, I went to a Baptist church for two years of my life. We talked about that for a little while, couldn't decide on anything. But later on in our marriage, I decided, you know what, I'm going to become Catholic. And I did. And then we got married in the Catholic church. That's like the only thing. I mean, we talked about God, but it was it was all in our head. We didn't pray. I didn't pray. It was just kind of like how would we raise our kids, you know, um but it wasn't like either of us having a personal relationship with with God. We certainly didn't go to church. We didn't have Bibles. Um nothing at all. We were just all about ourselves. But then our fifth year of marriage, I got pregnant with our first son. And when I got pregnant with our son, my hardness and anger and all that morphed yet again. It went from soft to being angry, and now it it morphed into anxiety. I began to feel anxious all the time. I didn't want him to have the childhood that I did. So because of that, I was constantly criticizing my husband for doing things wrong. Um, even though I honestly didn't know how to do things right. <laughs> I was just so obsessed with everything had to be perfect in his life. I remember telling my husband, like, you know, he's not happy right now. And my husband would be like, he's okay. And I said, hey, I don't want him to be okay. I want him to be happy. Like, it wasn't enough just that he was okay. Like, I wanted him to be happy at every moment of his life, which <laughs> we know now is not possible. <laughs> um,
0: As any parent will testify. <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Anyway, so obviously it drove a wedge between my husband and I. He began being way more work work obsessed, which only fueled my anxiety even more. My husband saw me go from this confident woman, and he thought I was confident. I was super insecure. But to him, I let him perceive that I was confident. But I went from being that to this Mushy, needy, anxious, (laughs) like worried all the time woman, you know, and he didn't know what to do with that. So he just became more work obsessed. And the more that he did that, the more anxious I got.
0: Barbara's anxiety and her husband, David's frustration was reaching a tipping point. And unless things changed, something was going to snap. More on that after the break. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of Apple Podcast's top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18, and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. Your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching, addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a Compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. Welcome back to COMPELLED. Barbara Mueller had a difficult childhood, which led her to putting up emotional walls and portraying herself as a strong woman. After she met David in the military, they began an affair, and eventually David left his wife to marry Barbara. But now, five years later, Barbara began suffering from anxiety and could no longer keep up the strong persona that she once did. Barbara and David's marriage began to suffer, and their relationship grew cold and distant. Eventually, Barbara began going to therapy, not for her marriage, but because she thought it would be good for her parenting. But her therapist began digging deep into Barbara's abusive childhood, and for six months made Barbara really think about what she had experienced growing up, and finally gave Barbara a surprising assignment.
1: And my therapist, the last thing she said, she said, you know, do you have any friends that you could share your story with? And I remember kind of being hurt in that moment because I felt like she was my friend and she was like the only friend that I had because I put so many walls up. I didn't let anybody in. And, and then I realized in that moment, I'm like, man, she isn't even my friend, you know, like I pay her. (laughs) You know, so it actually made me feel worse that she asked me that question. You know, you could tell she felt bad for me. And so she said, well, why don't you write these things down? And so I kind of wrote this mini book. You know, it's not totally not a book. It's just just a story of my life. I wrote it down and she thought it would be therapeutic. Um, And then she said she brought it in, had me read it to her. And she said, is there anybody from your past at all that you could share this with? And I've thought for a second, I'm thinking like, I know no one. And then I was like, wait, my youth pastor's wife. It's like, maybe I'll send it to her, you know, because she was always really nice to me. And she was somebody who I respected. So I was like, Facebook, (laughs) let's go and see if she's alive. So found her on Facebook. She was alive. She no longer lived in Louisiana. And I messaged her my entire thing that I wrote. And it was really long. The next day she responded and said, I'd like to talk to you. What's your phone number? And so I gave her my phone number and she called me. She immediately felt bad. She was like, I had no idea this was happening to you. I feel so bad. And, you know, I, I wasn't expecting her to say that at all. I was just telling her as part of my therapy, my therapist wanted me to share this with someone who who was positive in my life and she was the only person I could think of, you know? And she felt bad for that too. She thought, you know, this has been 20 years, you know. <laughs> you thought of me. And I'm like, Yeah, you're the only one, you know. But during that conversation, she said, What's what's the number one thing right now you're struggling with? And I said, "Oh, I just again I was I was all about my son. <laughs> and I thought, like, I want my son to have a different life than me, but how can I Know what normal is if you've never experienced normal. You know, how do I know what to how to parent when I've never experienced that? I don't know what to do. And she said, she paused, and she said, "You know, I think there's a podcast you might really like. And it was called Focus on the family. And she said it that's what exactly what it does. It focuses on the family, and it says, you know, good parenting strategies and things like that. She didn't tell me it was Christian. But, you know, she knew I wasn't opposed to that. And so I said, okay, and got off the phone with her. And I can't remember if it was like the day after, but it was very soon after. I decided, okay, I'll listen to this. So I downloaded the Focus on the Family app, and on June 12th, 2012, I was listening to this woman, and the title of the uh, podcast was Basking in God's Mercies. And... She talked about her abusive childhood and the marriage that she was in was not going well. She wanted to leave her husband. Oh, and by the way, too, I was ready to leave my husband at this point. I was looking for apartments and I was ready to go. But then I listened to this podcast and she was talking about her abusive childhood, her marriage that where she wanted to leave him. But God intervened, saved both of them, and they were in ministry together for 10 years. I remember I was sitting in my driveway, and the thought that I had was, if her God is the same as my God, then why not save me? Why not save my marriage? And I went into my living room, and I went, I just fell to my knees on the ground. And I told God, like, I don't even know where to begin, like, I don't even know what to do. I don't have a church. I don't have friends. God had sent people in my life to try to to try to get my attention, but I I um just put walls up, and I just fell to my knees and I was like, I give up. I don't know what to do. I I need help. My marriage is falling apart, and I don't know how to help. You know, raise my son. I don't have anybody to help me. My husband won't even talk to me. Really, I'm like, just help me. And I told him. I said, I'll give you one year, let's do what you can do. Now, now looking back at that as a Christian, I would be like, you're testing God, what are you doing? But, but it was not that it was, I can't last longer than that. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to last longer than a year. Like, I can't do it anymore. So I'm like, I need you to do something. And I told him that time too. I said, and if you do something miraculous, I will never not tell your story. <laughs> That's what I told him at that time. From that moment, I had my, my anxiety turned into peace immediately, immediately, and I did not understand it. I didn't understand in Philippians that God does give peace that surpasses an understanding. I was just experiencing it. And so I didn't have a Bible. Immediately, God led me to my closet in my bedroom. I did not know it was a biblical thing at the time, but. I started praying, and I went probably praying for a few minutes, but I felt the Holy Spirit just stop me immediately because a lot of my prayers were like, God, help my marriage, my marriage, my—and I felt the Holy Spirit just stop me and say, Barbara, I care about your marriage, but I care more about your relationship with me. I was like, all right, I give my marriage to you, and I'll begin there. And I prayed alone in my closet. I didn't tell my husband what I was doing, but I was changing.
0: Looking back, Barbara realizes this was a distinct turning point for her. She was at the end of herself and with no other alternative entrusted herself wholeheartedly into the arms of God. And eventually, Barbara got a Bible so that she could better learn how to follow Jesus.
1: The very first thing that I read in the Bible was Philippians four, six, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything basically is I had the NLT version (laughs) at that time. So I, I took that literally. I thought every time I worry, I'm going to pray. That's what I did. And so I was praying all the time. And then my prayers then turned into not worries because I was worrying. It was because I was developing this relationship with the father and like, I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to pray to him. It was no longer because I'm so scared and concerned about this. It was through me coming to him with my worries and him taking them, I began to just love him more and seeing him as the father that he says he is. And what I would do is each day I would take one scripture and I would just focus on that and then apply it that same day. Like every day I would apply God's word. God was renewing my mind I remember him showing me, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And it was like the world that you grew up in, don't be conformed to that, thinking that that's your future, but be transformed by what I teach you. And I teach you, don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. And I just began to change. God started to show me the reality of scripture and how it truly is living. And so he was just doing this transforming work in my heart. I mean, I was willing to give up everything to follow him. I remember going, God, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be in this marriage because I took somebody else's husband and I'm willing, if he's supposed to be with her, I'm willing to do it. And then God was just really kind. I can't remember the scripture, but it basically said, each of you stay stay where you are in the, when I called you, basically. And to me, it was like, whenever, when I saved you, this is what matters. You know, you just stay in that and see how I can redeem it. I knew that I was, I was um, forgiven from, you know, by the Lord. And I had to practice that sometimes because I remember my husband one time, again, I didn't talk to him about God. But I would try to be kind to him, and he didn't want to have anything to do with me. And I remember one time I went up to him, and I would be like, can I do anything for you? And he said, yeah, you can leave me the F alone. That's what he told me. You know, this was kind of what he wanted. And I'm in that moment, the scripture, don't repay evil for evil, repay evil with good, came to mind. And that was the only thing that gave me just this constant sense of peace, that God was with me, and that, like, he would— he would take care of that. And so in that moment, the good that I did for my husband was soften his heart. Please God soften his heart and and save him. And not that I said anything like that to my husband, but that's what I did. I was like, God, I'm not going to tell him any of this. I want my actions to show because I feel like he's not going to believe me because I've messed up so much in the past. I'm like, he's not going to believe this. This is genuine. And I'm like, and to be honest, if it is genuine, it'll show.
0: Six months passed. And although Barbara had been quietly pursuing God and praying for David, their marriage hadn't improved. In fact, David could be downright hostile, but God was about to change all of that using, of all things, a movie, which you'll hear about right after the break you love Christian testimonies. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Compelled. But imagine if you could enjoy Compelled stories from Christians throughout the ages, including those who've already passed away. Well, that's what our friends at YWAM Publishing are doing through their Christian Heroes book series by retelling the incredible stories of Christians like George Mueller, a man of prayer who ran an orphanage for 10,000 children in England, who trusted God to miraculously provide food and shelter for those orphans, sometimes on a daily basis. Or Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by the Aka tribe in Ecuador, but chose to forgive and move in with the tribe to share the gospel with them. Or Brother Andrew, who during the height of the Cold War, smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain, all under the noses of communist border guards who could have imprisoned him for life or worse. These are the types of stories that YWAM Publishing is printing. And their books are written for kids ages 10 and above, but frankly, adults love them too. They've published 50 of these biographies so far, and we just partnered with YWAM Publishing to bring you five of my favorite stories. These are the Christians that have inspired my faith and millions of others for decades, which include the three testimonies I just mentioned, as well as Corey Ten Boom and Amy Carmichael. We're calling it the Compelled Christian Heroes Bundle, and I actually worked with YWAM to select these five specific stories, and they agreed to drop the price in half just for compelled listeners. So it's $30 and includes free U.S. shipping. To buy this bundle for yourself or to give to a friend, visit compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. That's the letters Y-W-A-M. compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. And trust me, if you love listening to stories on Compelled, you're going to love reading these stories too. Summer is here, and so is the chance to take a breather from school. And there's a decent chance that the subject your student is most excited to take a break from is math. But it doesn't have to be that way, especially if you're using CTC math. Their focus is helping your student learn at the pace that's best for them. Every lesson is fully online with interactive questions and clear explanations. And their video tutorials take difficult concepts and break them down into digestible ideas. But here's the crazy part. They have a 12 month money back guarantee. That's right, you can use CTC Math for an entire year. And if you don't like it, or it didn't work out for you, or if you're just unethical, which as a compelled listener, I hope you're not, then you just shoot them an email and tell them that you like your money back and they'll gladly refund your entire purchase, no questions asked. There is literally no risk for an entire year. You can't beat that. Because their heart is to serve your family. That's why they sponsor Compel, so that we can continue creating stories that will bless and encourage your family. And they want to do the same for your students' math needs. So whether summer is a time for your student to catch up, keep up, or move ahead, CTC Math is there. Learn more at ctcmath.com. Again, that's ctcmath.com. Welcome back. Barbara and David's marriage had not improved. In fact, if anything, David was even more annoyed by Barbara's attempts at peacemaking, and she didn't dare tell him that she was pursuing Jesus now. Barbara had been praying for David for six months now, but nothing had changed. But she had been reading her Bible and kept seeing references about Christians gathering with other Christians, and that intrigued her. Because frankly, Barbara didn't really have friends in her life, let alone Christian ones. Sure, there were other moms that she casually knew when she would take her son to the playground, but no one that she could really consider close. But then she remembered an old college roommate who she knew was a Christian.
1: I hadn't talked to her in probably a decade, maybe eight, to ten years, something like that. And so I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to go to dinner. And so she did. And I told her about it, my experience and my marriage and what was happening. And I told her, I was like, I just feel alone. Even though I'm with God, like I feel alone in my marriage, and and like and I want this fellowship that God's talking about, like I have such a satisfaction in um, being with the Lord, but I'm seeing that this other part where He's given us, you know, fellowship with other believers, and I don't have that, so I feel a little bit lonely. And um, she encouraged me. She said, "Barbara, I knew you in college, and how you were." and how you're talking now is completely different. She said, you're making more of an impact than what you might realize. She said, you know, I think of like a ripple. She's like, you could be like a stone and then it just hits one person and then another and then another. She's like, because, you know, I'm going to tell this story about what's happened with you. And she's like, just be encouraged that that this could be a ripple effect. And it just begins with a little pebble. And that really just, it really did encourage me like, you know what? I might feel alone by myself right now, but if other people get to know about you through this story, it's worth it to me, you know? And I'm like, you're God, you're going to do it. So I just kind of let it go. And so we were leaving. And then she said, Oh, Barbara, wait, you know, one more thing. I said, yeah. She said, you should watch this movie called fireproof with David. And I I said, okay. I didn't ask her what it was about because I was literally leaving. I I just got out of the car and she had dropped me off. And I said, okay. And that was it. I'm thinking like, David's not going to want to watch a movie with me because he didn't want to do anything with me.
0: (laughs) Now, if you don't know, Fireproof is a 2008 feature film created by Alex and Stephen Kendrick who've created several other popular Christian films. It stars Kirk Cameron, who plays a firefighter struggling in a dysfunctional marriage about to fall apart. To save his marriage, he starts a 40-day experiment to win back his wife's heart while also realizing that the only way their marriage can survive is through the power of Christ alone. But of course, Barbara didn't know anything about the movie, just that her friend said it was good. Then, just a few nights later, Barbara suddenly felt like God was trying to tell her something.
1: I was brushing my teeth one day, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, like, you're gonna have to help your husband confess something. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> like, cause I just felt like it wasn't gonna be something I would be happy about. <laughs> like, what is, what am I gonna help him confess, you know? And then after that, it's like, I felt the Holy Spirit be like, well, then he's gonna suffer with this the rest of his life, like being in the dark. And I knew that scripture says, like, anything that remains in the dark is not good. And then if it would be exposed to the light, it would be for good. And I'm thinking, like, okay, if that's what you want, then you present the opportunity. I don't know what you're talking about, but all right. But then, like, the next day... David and I we started watching I don't remember what the movie was but in the movie like there was some secret in the movie and the movie was over and I looked at him and I was like I don't know why people do that like secrets always come out and I realized when I said it like oh man did I just set up something <laughs> like cuz I didn't mean to say it like that and then David immediately put his head down and I was like oh man this is the moment like I'm going to have to help him so I said Is there anything you need to tell me? And he put his head down and he mumbled something. He said, God, please don't have her leave me. And then he confessed to having an affair. During that time, when I was like anxious and going to therapy and all that stuff, he had ended it already, but he knew he was have to confess it. And because God went before me and (laughs) <laughs> said you're going to have to help him and told me that like it's going to be exposed this is good I looked at him and I said thank you for telling me that and then I went outside it was raining and I cried and thanked God I'm like it's out it's all out you're going to use it all like thank you like you really are moving because again I knew that God had went before me and so it gave me this strange peace to be able to be in that moment and I came back in, and I just... I kind of just let it go for that that night.
0: The next day was a Saturday, and obviously things were extremely awkward. Barbara was still reeling from David's confession the previous night, and David didn't really want to talk about it, or anything else for that matter. So that evening, Barbara was trying to find a way to break the tension, and suddenly remembered that movie her friend had suggested earlier called Fireproof.
1: I worked with the courage to say hey, you want to watch a movie? And he was like, sure. <laughs> and that was, you know, kind of like, he says now, he's like, I was just trying to shut you up. That's what he said. So he had no idea. like, And he didn't ask what it was about or anything. Thankfully, he didn't. I didn't even know what it was about. So it started, and I mean, right in the beginning, you know what it's about. I mean, they're arguing. It's this this couple arguing and i was like oh wow like this <laughs> what is going on and then they started talking about god and i'm like okay wait this is a movie about a broken marriage and how god is doing something and so the whole time we're on this the couch i'm just like looking forward he's to the right of me but i'm like i'm not looking at him so <laughs> then the gospel's presented and I thought for sure, I'm like, he's probably fuming right now at this at this moment because the gospel is offensive. And for some reason, I just thought like, he's not, like to me, it was like, oh, that's beautiful. For him, I thought, no, you know. And I had been praying for his heart though, but I, I just thought like, I'm not even daring looking over there. And so I just kept looking forward. And so the movie finally ended and I was like, okay, I'm gonna look over at him. And so I did and I looked over at him and he had tears streaming down his face, and, and he just looked over at me and he said, I want to love you like that. And I was like, oh. it was like that moment I was like, God, you heard me, you know, just like in that car with my dad, you know, going to the church, like, I felt like you really heard me, like you heard my prayers. and so. I hugged him and I said, you can, with God's help. And so we just kind of like cried there for a little while, (laughs) and I was like, what is happening? From there, I began to see him change, but I almost did not believe it. So. I went out and I bought like this little box that said believe on it and I put like little post-it notes in there and every time I saw him do something different that he no- normally wouldn't do I wrote it down to just like stir my faith that lord you are you are working and you know n- and not for the enemy to come and say oh no whatever you know so I began writing down like he made me coffee you know and none of that that's not spiritual but it was different for him to do that you know he made me coffee he did this and then All of a sudden it's like we're praying together you know and so my husband and i began praying together every night together one of the first things that we prayed was please bring us christian friends and i began to see david change so much um just in his humility like he was a very arrogant prideful driven man and i i remember one time i was like sitting in the living room and then all of a sudden David walks in and he goes, I've been living my life by my own set of rules my whole life that I can't even follow. God's got his own set, huh? And then he just walks out of the room and I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. just I just saw he had no Bible. The Holy Spirit was already beginning to like convict him and show him like I need to do something differently.
0: David had given his life to Christ, and together he and Barbara were working to submit their marriage to the Lord. In just a matter of weeks, God had completely changed the trajectory of their marriage. And as further confirmation that he was working, God then answered one of their very first prayers.
1: So we prayed for Christian friends, and a few weeks later, I went to our local library, I brought my son there every Tuesday for story time. And I was pregnant, three months pregnant. And there was a woman sitting next to me and she was asking me, obviously I was showing a little bit and she was asking me like, Oh, how is it? And everything. And she ended up being a doula. And at this moment in my, my journey with the Lord, he was starting to like, try to get me to be more extroverted because I'm not very. And so I felt the Holy Spirit say, ask her for a number, ask for her number. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I've never done that in my entire life up to this point. And so I was like, maybe for a guy I did, but not for a girl. (laughs) So anyway, I was like, what's your number? And so she gave it to me and I came home that day. And again, my husband was newly saved and I was only like a year saved. um, And I said, David, I met somebody today that God sent us. And he was like, okay. <laughs> like He kind of just was like, he wasn't there. And he just was like, just a bit apprehensive. Like, what do you mean? I was just so sure of it.
0: Was this lady a Christian?
1: I'd had no idea if she was a Christian. I kind of like what you're saying. He's like, well, I mean, who is she? I'm like, her name's Judith Ann. I have her phone number. She's a doula. <laughs> He's like, okay. well, All right. So, um, so I ended up texting her and asked her to, to come to another little play date with me. And so I did. Um, so I was like, so what's your husband do? And she said, he's a pastor. (laughs) And I was like, of course he is. (laughs) And, but that was another moment. And I literally felt like, God, you heard me. Like, it was just like, you're walking, you've been there. You were there so long ago. You're continuing to be here with me. Like, wow. I, it's just so overwhelming. And just and I'm just living my life, you know, d- but also dependent upon the Holy Spirit the entire way to just be like, I want to walk with you. And so she told me, she was a pastor's wife, and I was like, oh, yeah, what church? And she told me, you know, Lakeview Christian Center. And, and she invited me. She's like, we just started this marriage group you know, if you'd want to come, we're doing a book. And I was like, marriage group, huh? You know, like, wow. It's not like they always do a marriage thing, you know, and, but they were happen to be doing it at this time. During those meetings, I remember feeling like, wow, they're asking questions. And like, I'm having to answer questions that i wouldn't even ever think to first ask the question, and know how to answer. I was discovering things about myself, but not only about myself, but for my husband too. I was like, wow, I didn't know that about you. (laughs) Like, I didn't know that about you, you know, because we were just so like, we loved one another. Sure. But like, we were just driven about our careers and really didn't get into like emotions and stuff. And this kind of was making us do that. And so it made us closer. We started attending church and You know, as God does every sermon, it was like just straight to the heart of what we were, you know, experiencing. And we were like, wow, have you ever thought about the Bible in this way? You know, and for me, you know, I had, but to hear it from the pulpit too, I'm like, yeah, I understood that well. Like the Holy Spirit taught me that, you know, and, but for, for David, he's like, wow, you know, like how did how did he talk about the very thing that we were praying about? And of course it's if it's God, you know, that's why. And that's when my my husband was like, it's just the Bible, you know, what God's word, and 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 that's it.
0: Now we don't want to paint the wrong picture here either. Yes, God was working in incredible ways and it truly transformed their lives, given them community, and rescued their marriage. But everything wasn't just hunky dory all the time. There were difficult moments, struggles, and trials. In fact, Barbara would continue to struggle for months whenever she thought about David and his affair. True, that had been before he was following the Lord, but that didn't make it any less painful. But slowly, through many conversations and much prayer, Barbara began to recover.
1: It was a healing time for me because I saw how David responded. He was just so patient and he's like, I I really am different. I know, like, I really am different. And then I was like just, you know, struggling, you know. Um like God, I know you're with me, but this hurts. Like I just can't get over like where where were his hands? Like where were they? You know, I just couldn't go over it. And then uh, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was like, "But look where his hands are now." And they were holding a Bible. And I was like, yeah, he, that was it. I never worried about where his hands were ever again, you know, because till this day, he's every morning, his hands are on that Bible, you know, every morning. And it's just so crazy how God can take something like that and just do something like, it's because of the fact of how dark it was that it's so beautiful, <laughs> where God was like taking out all the junk like let me take it all out and expose all of it he was replacing the junk with truth and with this is actually how you live and this is the truth and and by the way I can redeem it all you know not just your the the affair from him but like you too the affair that began this relationship all the way back to childhood I have a compassion towards both of my parents and I've forgiven both of them because of the grace of God, because of how much I've been forgiven.
0: As our story came to a close, I asked Barbara if she could hop into a time machine and visit herself 20 years ago, what advice would she give?
1: You don't have to be so hard. You can let other people in. Your past doesn't have to define you. You know, your future can be different. I would always say in my childhood, and I never knew, I would always say, my adulthood's going to make up for my childhood. And I remember reading Job, and I'm not saying that my story is like Job's, but he says that God blessed his second half of his life more than his first. And I thought, like, that's what you've been telling me my entire life. And we were both asked to become small group leaders. Um, we've had a small group in our house for, man, I don't like probably six years now. Um, my husband and I, I we've had upwards of like 30 something people that'll come to our, to our home. And sometimes I just, you know, it's in our living room. And so it's just like circle of people around that place that I surrendered my life to God. And I said, I'll give you one year and see what you can do, you know? And now we have all these people (laughs) surrounding us, like so many friends that it's Kind of hard to keep up with them, to be honest. So I would probably say, like you know, your childhood does not have to define you. You know, you can do things differently, and seek the Lord. You know, you don't have to be uh, perfect. You don't have to be hard. Even the the soft Barbara from my childhood, um, like you can't be the one that's going to fix everything. You're not going to be able to be kind enough, and 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 try to make everybody get along. People are broken, but Jesus is, you know, you can look to him and he's He's the perfect peacemaker. You can trust him and he's the protector. He's your father. He is everything that he says he is. You know, I don't know who's listening, but I remember when I listened, feeling like there's no way that God could do that for me, you know, but then God gave me faith to realize maybe perhaps he could. You don't have to be special. In fact, I realize the more that you realize how weak you are, the more God shows that he is powerful and strong. So to just be vulnerable before God, let him show you what he can do. There's always hope in Christ.
0: Well, Barbara, glad that we could make this happen all the way from Louisiana.
1: No problem, thanks for having me.
0: As I think about Barbara's story, what I can't get out of my mind is the ripple effects. So many seemingly insignificant things that added together were all part of God's greater plan to bring Barbara and her husband into the kingdom and to save their marriage. Like the youth pastor's wife, who Barbara hadn't seen since she was a child, but it obviously made such an impact on Barbara that she was the only person that Barbara would trust her story with. Or the random testimony on Focus on the Family's podcast from the woman with a marriage that sounded so eerily similar to Barbara's that caused her to cry out to God asking him to salvage her marriage too. Or the Fireproof movie with Kirk Cameron that broke David's heart and led him to ask God to restore the relationship. Or the kind mother at the library who agreed to share her number and then invited Barbara and David to her church community group. But isn't that how our good God works? through mysterious ways that we can't even comprehend and may not even know about in our lifetimes, but are still part of the enormous tapestry of God's kingdom. Today, Barbara and her husband still live in Louisiana and are faithful members of their church. Barbara's dad passed away many years ago, but she's forgiven him for the past. Her mother is still alive, and they now have a loving relationship that continues to grow every day. And Barbara also has relationships with all of her siblings and loves them dearly. If you'd like to learn more about Barbara's story, or watch the Fireproof movie, or see some of the marriage resources that Barbara recommends, then visit our website at compelledpodcast.com and find the show notes for this episode, where we'll include links to everything. Also, if you'd like to contact Barbara directly, you can email her at barbara.mulame.com. at me.com. Again, that's barbara.mula at me.com. Now, I asked you earlier to listen all the way to the end of our story to hear some important news about Compelled. And there's two things I wanna tell you about. First off, we're going to have a very special end of season video celebration for all of our listeners next week, on Thursday, December 1st at 8 p.m. Central. It'll be a chance to meet some of our production team. You can ask us questions, meet other listeners, and we might even have a couple of special guests swing by. We did this last year and it was a ton of fun. Again, that's on Thursday, December 1st at 8 p.m. Central. You can RSVP and save the event to your calendar by visiting compelledpodcast.com slash celebrate. The second thing is about the future of our show. Every year we get to the end of our season and we look around and say, wow, that was a ton of fun. And we are so glad that we were able to highlight these stories about what God is doing. This year, Compelled was downloaded over a quarter million times across 146 countries, many of which are restricted nations in the Middle East and Central Asia. And we've heard from countless listeners how Compelled has encouraged them in their walks with the Lord. But it's also a moment when we close our eyes, pray, and ask if God wants us to continue making these stories. We believe that these stories deserve to be told with excellence. And we also believe that if God wants to make it happen next year, then he'll provide the necessary resources. If you paid close attention, you've probably noticed that we take off close to a year in between seasons. And that's mainly due to financial constraints. We would be thrilled to create more episodes than that. In fact, next year, we would love to release two seasons if possible. But to do that, we need to raise around $40,000. Last year, our listeners, that would be you, rallied together and helped us raise the needed funds. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us and making a contribution to the stories that we're creating so that others can hear and celebrate what our God is doing? We're making end-of-year financial decisions right now and budgeting out what next year might look like. So your contribution, no matter how large or small, right now will help us evaluate what we can do next year. You can either make a one-time gift through PayPal, Venmo, or check, or you can join as a monthly Patreon supporter. To get started, visit compelledpodcast.com donate. Also, we'll keep a running tally at that link, showing our fundraising progress toward our $40,000 goal. Again, that's at compiledpodcastcom donate. This episode was edited by Will Jackson, and our sound engineer is Zach Fowler. Both of these guys put in countless hours and sleepless nights putting together our show. Our associate producer, who is also my wife, is Sarah Hastings. Special thanks to Compelled listeners, Jesse and Kelly Barnado, for making the introduction to Barbara and for letting us record in your home. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and you've been listening to Compelled. We hope to return with another season of Compelling Stories very soon next year. One last thing before I go if you'd like to meet up this year in 2024, I will actually be on the road for a few events, either speaking or exhibiting at some conferences. I am still nailing down all the details, but already I know that I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Fort Worth from April 18th through 20th, the other Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston from May 30th through June 1st, the Home Educators Association of Virginia Convention in Richmond from June 6th through 8th,